and welcome to worship today. During Lent we've been creating our own individual prayer spaces in our homes with a cross designed by Steph at the Triangle. Each week we've added something to our prayer space and this is my cross. In week one, Temptation, I added a piece of cake although it's now a biscuit. In week two when we thought about service I added a towel in week three, we thought about righteous anger and I added my penguin as a sign for climate change. And today I'm adding something else. Today on week four, we have the theme of Mother's Day. But as we reflect on possibly the two most famous verses in the Bible, it isn't just about mums, but about anyone who's been significant in our lives and shown us love. So today I'm adding a photograph of my mum. What will you be adding? The verses from the Bible are John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. Being human, we can't love to the extent of God but we can do our best. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for your love and thank you for the love of mums, dads and significant people who have influenced our lives. Every one of us is an influencer of some kind. May it be in the likeness of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
to our prayers of confession. Gracious God, on this special day of thanksgiving, through a parent's love for their child, of the love for us, the care, dedication and devotion you show to all your children, which makes you as much our mother as our father. As much as a parent nurtures their child, instructing, feeding, clothing, guiding, so you nurture us, carefully leading us towards maturity. As a parent tends for their children, comforting in times of distress, reassuring in times of uncertainty, encouraging in times of challenge, nursing in times of sickness, so you tend us, always there to lift us up and set us on our feet again when we fall. As a parent protects their children, watching over them day by day, alert to danger, keeping them from harm and ready, if necessary, to sacrifice themselves for their sakes, so you protect us. Your arms constantly encircle us your hand delivering us from evil. For the intensity of your love, Lord, we praise you. Gracious God, mother and father of us all, we rejoice today in the wonder of your love and the constancy of your care. Gratefully we respond in joyful worship and heartfelt thanksgiving. For the intensity of your love, Lord, we praise you. In the name of Christ, your only Son. Amen. An alternative Lord's Prayer, especially for Mothering Sunday. Divine Mother, Divine Father, to be in you is to be in heaven. May we hear the wonder that echoes in your name. May we accept no rule but the rule of love. May we never tolerate the evil of hunger. May the hurts we cause be forgiven and the hurts we receive be healed. May we remember that we are fragile and cherish the life we share with all. For all love and life and power is the gift of the Spirit. Amen. Always Always remember, never forget, always
reading this morning is taken from John chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked, Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak to you of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Nicodemus was a man with the most amazing credentials. For starters, he was named by John, and that doesn't happen very often. He was a Pharisee, which meant he was part of a group of people who didn't have much time for Jesus. Although the Pharisees actually had more in common with Jesus than we think. They were people of prayer and people who avidly read their scriptures. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, the ruling council of Jerusalem, and he had a significant place in Jewish leadership and society. But to my mind, Nicodemus was a man caught between two worlds. He was most certainly a man of faith in God. But in seeking Jesus out, perhaps it shows us that Nicodemus thought that there was something missing. He had faithful curiosity, which led him to seek Jesus out at night. We can speculate as to why that was. Perhaps he didn't want his colleagues to know that he was interested in Jesus, or he wanted a quiet conversation away from crowds when Jesus was surrounded by lots of people all the time. Perhaps he was embarrassed to be seen with him and he wanted to keep the meeting secret. We don't know either what danger he's putting himself in meeting Jesus, but we do know that under cover of darkness, the two men met for the first time. And Nicodemus was risking his reputation because Jesus was a relatively unknown quantity as a rabbi and it remained to be seen whether he was going to be a troublemaker or whether he was who he claimed to be.
There are people in our lives who have great influence on us. People who make us change direction. As we celebrate Mothering Sunday, perhaps your mum had that influence on you, or perhaps there is a significant other person in your life. What we do know about Nicodemus is that this initial encounter with Jesus was to teach him something completely different about new entry requirements to the kingdom of God. And while Nicodemus may have gone home scratching his head after the conversation, completely pulled out of his religious comfort zone, he would later defend Jesus before that council who were instrumental in his arrest and crucifixion. He asked from them for a fair trial and a fair hearing for Jesus. And after his crucifixion, he brings an extravagant amount of ointment to anoint Jesus' body in death. You don't go to that sort of trouble if that person hasn't had some influence and some effect on your life, do you? But it is an interesting conversation that Jesus and Nicodemus had. It takes place on many levels, literal and metaphorical. It is a conversation between an older man who thinks he's got God and a younger man pointing out, you haven't got God at all. And we have this two-way conversation that has inspired and puzzled us ever since. The climax being the two most famous verses in the whole of Christianity. So we shall sing again before we think more about that conversation. Yeah. 
Nicodemus is respectful of Jesus, calling him a teacher come from God, which is a lot more than what some of the other leaders thought of him. And I want to say good on you, Nicodemus, for your open mind. But where he thinks he's got God sussed, Jesus disabuses him. For Jesus says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. His answer comes across as abrupt, especially after Nicodemus has shown him such respect. But Jesus' response suggests that they are talking on different levels. How can a man be born again when he's old, Nicodemus asks, interpreting Jesus' words as having more to do with physical than spiritual rebirth. Perhaps Nicodemus is choosing to be deliberately obtuse, but he would have known that when someone converted to the Jewish faith, it was considered a new or a rebirth. So this wasn't a new concept for him. What he couldn't get his head around was that he as a Jew, as God's chosen people, also needed a rebirth. And he would really have struggled with the idea that he, a Pharisee and a leader of the Jewish faith, needed this new birth too. For Nicodemus, God's plan of salvation centred completely around observation of the Jewish law, and he excelled at that. Surely, his place in God's kingdom was already guaranteed. Yet Jesus says that no one will see God's kingdom unless they are born from above. Jesus is saying to him and to us, yes, you were born physically of human parents, but you were born spiritually of God, your heavenly parents. I was born to my dad and mum, Harry and Pam Bevan, on the 20th of February, 1961, in Park, Hos Park Hospital, David Hume. But I was born spiritually as a child of God when I became a follower of Jesus at the age of 16 in what was then the church hall of Longsight Methodist Church, born from above. I am thankful that I can pinpoint a time and a place that my spiritual rebirth took place. But that isn't the way for all of us, and actually it doesn't matter. The litmus test is that we can say, I know that I am a beloved child of God and Jesus is my Lord. That's your spiritual rebirth. And it's good to remember that we are on an ongoing journey of discovering God's love for us every day of our lives. Please don't be uncomfortable with that phrase, born again Christians. Every person who follows Jesus and who has accepted him as Lord and Saviour is born again as a Christian. 
born of your physical mom and dad and born of God. Spiritual new birth offered to you through God's grace. Poor Nicodemus, at this point in the conversation, everything he's believed in is completely messed around. In listening to Jesus and not walking away in a bit of a huff, he hears that no matter how well he is adhered to the law, no matter how much he has achieved in being seen as a pillar of his community, he hears Jesus say, you must be born of spirit. No wonder that he chooses to hear Jesus' words as having to do more with physical than spiritual rebirth. How can these things be? Are Nicodemus' final words in this part of the passage. He does not understand Jesus or he chooses to misunderstand, but I'm grateful to him. At school, I didn't always get what the teacher was saying in class, but I didn't want to admit I didn't understand. So I was grateful to the person who stuck their hand up and asked for it to be explained again. So thank you, Nicodemus, because Jesus doesn't give up on him. He explains more. And there is that inkling that from a place of confusion, the light may just beginning to dawn on him and on us too, as we get the most famous verses in the Bible. When we At their peril does anyone speak for only three or four minutes on the two most famous verses in the Bible but here goes anyway. Jesus has what may seem a bit randomly to us referred to a story from the Exodus from Egypt but not randomly to Nicodemus at all. Jesus is saying just as the people were given new life when they looked at the serpent on the pole held up by Moses in the wilderness those who believe in the Son of Man, who likewise must be held up on a pole or hang on a cross, will receive eternal life. As God's agent of life then was a pole with a bronze serpent on it, God's agent of new life now is his Son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the first time that eternal life is mentioned in John's gospel, but Jesus will go on to talk about these words many times over. 
eternal life begins now for those who know the Father and the Son. It is life without end, but it is also about a quality of life now lived in the presence of God himself. And these words together hold a special place in the heart of many Christians because they speak of the amazing love of God that he has for every single one of us. Martin Luther described them as the gospel in a nutshell, and I think that he was correct. For God so loved the world. The Greek word for world is cosmos, but that word actually suggests something that is opposed or hostile to God. So the phrase could be translated, for God so loved the God-hating world which puts a different perspective on it, and it really makes us sit up and take notice. How could God love a world that hated him? God doesn't ask the world if it wants to receive his love. He just goes ahead and loves it anyway. And not only love the world, but gives the world his son to die for it. This is love all-embracing, unasked for, undeserved, possibly rejected, but given unconditionally without reserve. God loves us whether we want him to or not. So how can we remain neutral to such amazing love? God so loves us. The Nicodemus in us who think that we've got it all sussed. The world in us that hates. God so loves without condemnation. So loves when those who crucified his beloved son. And so loves those who reject his love and crucify his son all over again today. I don't think that we can remain neutral to this love. It shapes and defines us. As with Nicodemus, it refocuses our life, our purpose, everything we do and everything we are. Lord of all, as we ask you to bless our offering, teach us also to offer ourselves to others, to recognise that wherever there is sorrow or suffering, hunger or hardship, you are there sharing the pain and calling for our response. Teach us to offer what we can, where we can and when we can, conscious that whatever we do for anyone, we do it also for you. Amen. Let us pray. Let us pray for the Church of God throughout the world. On this day, in the Methodist Prayer Handbook, we're asked to pray for the Church in Canada and in Mexico. God of justice for all. We give thanks for all working within the Church in Canada to defend and protect the human rights and dignities of all people, including the Indigenous communities. Lord God, your son, Jesus, knew what it was like to live in a land occupied by another race, and also what it felt like to be a migrant, forced to flee 
to another land. We ask that you protect the many thousands of migrants who have travelled to Mexico to escape violence, poverty and lack of opportunities. And we give thanks for the members of the churches in that country who are providing for the migrants' needs from their own meagre resources. Protect them and strengthen them as they seek to be good news for the poor and needy, despite being poor themselves. Let us pray for those who have power and influence and for all who govern the nations. God of peace and reconciliation, we hold before you the leaders in Myanmar and ask that you grant them the wisdom to find a solution to the crisis causing such suffering and death in that nation. We ask that you inspire all those who have influence and power to work together to lessen the tragic impact of the humanitarian crisis in the Yemen. We ask your protection and provision for all the powerless and for all victims of famine, natural disaster and war and that you give strength and determination to all those who are called to provide them with aid and support. We hold before you all those who are sick from COVID-19 or other illnesses and ask that you give them your comfort and healing strength. Be with them and with those who care and pray for them. And on this Mothering Sunday, we remember all those who are grieving right now, whether it be for loved ones lost during the pandemic or from a time before. We ask that you comfort mothers grieving for lost daughters or sons, and sons and daughters grieving for their own mothers. Lord, we ask that you comfort all those for whom this day is one of remembrance. We thank you for the scientists and laboratory workers who together have so quickly produced vaccines against the COVID-19 virus. Keep them safe and well and continue to inspire and strengthen them as they continue their amazing work. We name in our hearts all those who we know and love who need you right now the worried, the grieving, the depressed and the despairing. And we ask that they may find hope in your message of forgiveness and new life and healing in their hearts and minds as you walk with them out of their personal darkness. Eternal God, through the self-offering of your Son, you have filled our hearts with your presence. Help us in all our sufferings and trials and strengthen us in our weakness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
let us rejoice because God so loves our world. May God, our maker, send you into the world with creative energies refreshed. May Christ the light illuminate your darkest moments and may the Holy Spirit of steadfast love guide you until we worship together again, this day and forevermore. Amen.